The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 30 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the Membership Director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined by Mr. Kevin Whelan. Good afternoon, Chris. Good to talk to you. Hello, Kevin. So, episode 30. How did we get here so soon? <laughs> it's a shocker, isn't it? It's been going for quite a while now. I'm enjoying it, though. I've got to say, we've had some great feedback as well, not just about our interactions, which are often quite humorous, but but also the interaction of our contributors you know how much great value they're sharing and uh, we want to thank them for that don't we really most definitely and we continue this week talking around the pillar four which is property portfolio and we're moving on to the strategy of commercial property now for many people they will have perhaps dipped their toe into the world of property through residential and um Commercial feels like a big step, Kevin. Is it? Is it so? Well, it's different, but it's the same. I mean, if you think about what have we learned so far about strategies, we've learned buy to let. Well, you can buy to let, do a, you know, you can buy a commercial property and rent it to a single company. You've heard about HMOs. You can do HMOs in commercial property. You can rent multi multi rooms to small businesses. Um, we've heard about uh, what else have we heard about? Um, maybe we, you know, people doing flips. So you can you can convert property and, and completely change the face of property. So very similar things in terms of what can be done. The creativity of space, the creativity of getting higher value from the space. And you heard last week, I think from Lee Pemberton who converts crusty old property from crusty old people into something that's renovated and contemporary and new. So it's, 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 it's the same, but it's different. What's very different is the market is less crowded. There are less people doing this because in order to take that higher step where the figures tend to be larger, there's, there's planning risk, there are other risks involved, development risk, you know, things that are not easy to do, without really investing a lot more time in the education side. So there's less novice landlords here. And as a result, the market is less crowded, so there's less competition. So I think that's interesting. You've still got some very interesting things to learn, things like uh, you know types of property and their usage, uh, language uh, all of its own, like permitted development, the ability to take a commercial property in its current state and completely change it to residential. So in that way, it's you know it's a facilitator, an enabler of residential property through permitted development. And many of our clients and many of our students go on to do that, and some are experts, and I'm sure we'll hear from some of them today. Um, the other thing which is interesting, just in straightforward commercial-led property, if you think about Letting a property to a single family unit is an example, right? You know, if anything goes wrong, you've got to fix it. If uh, if there's any, you know, the, you've got to pay for the building insurance, you've got to pay for ground rent and all those sorts of things. If you are a commercial property owner, 
there's something known as an FRI lease. Have you heard of that, Chris, before, an FRI? I haven't come across that, no. An FRI lease means a full repairing and insuring lease. And what on earth does that mean? Well, it means if I'm the landlord of a commercial property and I say to the tenant, I grant you a lease to occupy this property for three years, say, but all the repairs you pay for, all the insurance you pay, and you pay it in full, full repairing, full insuring, and you must put it back to exactly the same state as it was before. So when I take it back off you in three years or five years or whatever, then you know you need to put it back so it's exactly the same condition. And by the way, any rent reviews that happen are only going to go upwards. That's a brilliant way to get more security and a decent potential return in a way you don't get in the residential space. And we'd heard also last week um, about, you know, the commercial side of uh, Lee Pemberton, again, was talking about his properties don't attract the same tax treatment. Well, commercial property is not buy-to-let. So, again, there's much more tax freedoms and creativities around that, but also things like tax allowances, sometimes called capital allowances, and many more things that you can write off. So, uh, and also you can use your SAS. You've heard so many people talk about SAS. SAS commercial property are brilliant together. SAS and residential property, a bit more of a problem. So I, I don't know how many benefits there. We just reeled off, Chris, in a few minutes. Five, six, seven benefits that make this definitely worthwhile exploring as part of your overall property building strategy. Okay, that sounds great. So why don't we find out a bit more about some of those great benefits from some of our contributors today? Okay, so I'm with Dan Taylor. Welcome to Wealth Talk, Dan. Hi, Christian. How are you doing? I'm very good today. Thanks, Dan. Now, Dan, I know you're a client of Wealth Build. He's been working with Kevin for, for a number of years. And in particular, you are focusing on the commercial area of property. So what attracted you to commercial property in particular? Well, commercial property for me, number one, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of hedge. It's a protective play. And one of the biggest reasons why I love commercial uh, well, just let me back that up. I come from a business buying background, so I've done a lot of leaving buyouts, um, business buying that predominantly include the property as the underlying asset class. So what I love to do now is combine or fuse business buying strategies with creative commercial property plays. And to give you an idea why I love commercial so much, just let me tell you about one, one deal that happened, I think it was 2005 or something. Um, we've been doing a series of leverage buyouts, i.e. buying businesses. We bought a number of them. We had about 30 at the time. And out of that, 30, 16 were freehold properties. So we already owned these freehold properties. We already owned the businesses, and it was doing really well. Now, we did one creative commercial property strategy. Now, this is not refurbs, not the risk of refurbs, not the, uh, the risk of commercial conversions. We did one strategy and we increased the value of that property portfolio by 8.4 million. And it was done in a day. <laughs> no, no refurbs, no commercial conversions, just a simple, you know, real simple strategy. Now we already owned the properties and we increased it by 8.4 in one day. And that is the, really the basis of why I love commercial. You can really force tremendous appreciation in the asset class and do start, you know, do work once. And then it's very much set and forget. 
Mm. Like, for example, I'll give you another case study. What is set and forget? Why is it hassle-free? Uh, I've got one property that we rented out in June 2013. Now, that's just over six years ago. I've never, never been back to that property once, nor do I tend to go back to that property anytime soon. And, <laughs> you know, it sounds a bit, uh, I don't know, contrarian. It sounds a bit disruptive, but, um, and it is because not all commercial is good because we see in CVAs up and down the high street, there are brands that have been around for decades going out of business left, right, and center. So you really have to understand and know what you're doing. And you have to buy commercial property that number one, you're buying value. Number two, you're adding value. And number three, it's got to have moats around that, protective moats that, you know, ward off the big cat out there. And the big cat is the clinics correction, the Amazon of things and technology because that's changing our human spending patterns. So we as, as humans are you know, changing or evolving the way we spend money. And that evolution of the high street is happening right now. So unless you're on it and know what you're doing, it can be a dangerous place, just like anything else. You have to know what you're doing first. But after it's done, or you pick the right property where you're buying value, adding value, you could force massive appreciation into things without the risk of refurbs, risk of commercial conversions, and when the work's done at the beginning, um, it's very much set and forget. And, and the kind of people I like working with are people, business owners uh, that have a SaaS pension. And, you know, if you have a business and if you have a SaaS pension and you have commercial property, those three are, you know, create a really compelling story of how you can create income, grow your wealth uh, through tax efficient vehicles so that you have more money in retirement than life. <laughs> your money's not going to run out. Mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's all about that and they're the kind of people I like working with and what one chap Chris has just gone through the program and I, I told him to set up a SaaS he, he's got a, a business that creates income uh, we explained who to go to which is you guys who <laughs> sent him on to see Gavin he set up his SaaS and he come back and we've already increased his income his automated income into his SaaS from 1000 a month to 5000 a month and he has a national company paying on that yeah no, it's always good to see how the pillars can interact with one another. And um, and I know pensions and the business and the property pillar, as you just said there, you know, they, they can work really well. When people think of commercial, Dan, they think perhaps it's it's pretty advanced strategy. Is that correct? Or who, who, would, who, who would you say is suitable for being ready to start looking at commercial deals? Uh, well, for me, if you want to use the most advantages that you have at your potential disposal, they're all HMRC approved you know, strategies, really vanilla kind of stuff. Um, there would be business owners, uh, SaaS trustees, and existing uh, residential property investors. Um, because you know, a lot of people think you've got to start at, you know, buy to let, buy refurb with mortgage, HMOs, service accommodation, and work your way up to a commercial conversion and then move a new build. And then ultimately, potentially do some commercial, which is completely not the case. Um, right now, residential is under attack. And a residential, for me, is very linear, where commercial is multi-dimensional. And you can do so much more with commercial. You've got so many more tax breaks. Um, it's almost, well, let me put it this way. There's 3 million resi investors, and there's 100,000 commercial investors. So the air is thin in commercial, because everyone perceives it's maybe complicated or too much for them. But if you're doing property anyway, why don't you kind of 
you know, go with the tide, go with the flow, as opposed to being in Resi, where it's almost like because of the the, the politicians are, uh, you know, attacking landlords um, quite fiercely. You're swimming upstream. It's, um, you know, it's hard work. And if you're going to do the same property, you know, an asset class called property, then, and you want to use all the most tax efficient, uh, you know, tools in your bag, like SASs, like businesses, uh, like LLPs, like sale and lease packs and all these kind of things, then commercial is the only place you can use all the tools in one strategy. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us today, Dan. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm with Wealth Builders client Susie Carter. Welcome to Wealth Talk, Susie. Thanks. Thanks, Christian. And Susie, I know you've got lots of experience in the commercial property sector. Would you mind just giving us a bit of background as to how you first got into that area? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm a charter surveyor. I've been um, involved in commercial property for almost 25 years now. I've worked for in the corporate world for various um companies, including B&Q, where I did lots of developments for them, um, Atlanta Securities, where I used to manage a portfolio of retail warehouses and shopping centres. But I kind of, I've got my own investment company now, um, which I set up about uh, almost five years ago. And is there a particular strategy or niche within commercial property that, that you focus on, Susie? The important thing about the commercial property sector and any property sector really is to kind of watch the market and look out for the opportunities and kind of maybe don't go where the hordes are, but maybe kind of um, know the market well enough so that you can actually kind of um, highlight either kind of go into where the niche opportunities are or perhaps where, you know, the forthcoming opportunities might be kind of going forward. So um, in terms of kind of where I see the market at the moment, obviously there's some fantastic opportunities to buy at retail cheap. which is <laughs> for, for obvious reasons, I think, in terms of where the market is. But, um, you know, if you've got alternative use strategies for those, um, especially where they can be converted to residential, I think there's some amazing opportunities for those at the moment. Um, all I would say is that if you are um, buying retail to keep as retail, then make sure you have a pre-let in place or, you know, you've got a pretty damn good idea that there's some tenant demand for that property before you buy it. Um, and the other opportunities um, I can see in the market are, you know, there's there's some um, fantastic opportunities in the office sector, funnily enough. There's been so much PD in offices that actually, um, in terms of kind of buying of offices, there's actually quite a lot of office demand across the country. So um, if you're kind of looking to buy some offices, there's, there's you know, some reasonable demand. And same goes for mixed use, actually, um, you know, kind of um, retail with offices above or um, with resi above, et cetera. And then, then of course, the industrial sector is, um, is going bonkers at the moment. So it's incredibly um, expensive, but you still can find some quite good deals out there to put your SaaS in. So, um, you know, that that is only going to be a growth sector in the industrial world. So, um, you know, kind of, I'm certainly looking out for opportunities in that, in that arena as well. Mm. And you, you mentioned the word SaaS there. It, it often crops up, uh, even if we're talking about one of the other pillars. Um, how does SaaS and commercial property work well together, Susie? Well, um, obviously, you can invest your SaaS directly into commercial property, whereas you can't um, with residential, um, and you can hold it within your SaaS. And obviously, that is a fantastic opportunity because you can use, um, you know, a good chunk of, of your SaaS to invest in a property. Um, and I have to admit, I haven't actually done it myself, but I believe you can also get mortgages um, in your SaaS, etc. So. 
Um, in terms of direct investment in property without kind of um, having to lend to limited companies, et cetera, it, it, is, it is a great strategy. Mm. Now, who would you say commercial property is for and who is it not for, Susie, in terms of experience? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So um, I think I, I think that um, experience is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you can get that experience by working with people who know what they're talking about and getting educated. So that would be kind of the first thing I would say is, you know, really try to, if, if you're embarking on commercial property, it's quite a wide ranging sector um, and quite a fast moving market. So I would just say, you know, make sure you get some knowledge um, and, you know, I think that if, if, you, if you've done a fair few investments in residential, there's nothing holding you back from buying commercial at all. It, it actually, it, it is a different world from resi, but it, it's, it, um, and it's got its own rules and regulations and laws and everything. So, you know, that's why I say you must know what, you, what you're talking about. But um, it's not actually as complicated, I think, as a lot of people make out. Um, so I think that's what puts people off. I mean, I, it definitely is more, more sophisticated. Um, but the top, the absolute top tip I would give you if, you if you haven't got necessarily kind of years of experience in commercial property and want to invest in it, is just employ these services as some really good professionals. So obviously, a, a good commercial property lawyer is, is an obvious one and, and the same with a broker. But um, I think what a lot of people in the resi world don't realise is that actually um, it's very commonplace in the commercial property world to employ an agent to act on your behalf when you're acquiring something. Um, and, you know, they can be national or local agents, but you just need to get somebody that knows that town and knows that type of property really, really well. And um, they, they, will be, they will be invaluable because they will have direct line to all the occupiers they will um, know what similar properties sold for, so they'll probably save you some money on the purchase price, um, and they'll be able to help you with your valuations, etc. And yes, you will have to pay a fee, but in my view, it you know, especially if you're just starting out, it's it's kind of worth its weight in gold. So I really would say that's kind of a top tip if you're starting. Definitely. Thanks so much for sharing with us today, Susie. Okay, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I'm with Wealth Builders client Mark Stokes, and welcome back to Wealth Talk, Mark. Thank you very much, Christian. Hope you're well. I'm good, thank you. Mark, today we're talking about commercial property, and you've got experience from both sides. I know you've worked, you know, previously in, in that sector and obviously now um, working on your own project. So would you mind just giving us a bit of background about that, please? Yeah, I, I worked for 25 years in corporate life. Um constructing power stations, data centers, and obviously that involved a huge amount of commercial real estate. Uh, in fact, around about 3 million square feet of commercial real estate was um, converted, redeveloped in one way, shape or form. Um, and since retiring from those seven companies in 2015, we've gone on now to do uh, another 11, 11 or 12 developments and long-term commercial acquisitions so yeah it's uh, it's very much what we do you know it's something we really love with, with our SaaS and uh, and in our other companies as well so mark for those people listening who perhaps you know haven't yet ventured into the world of commercial property what are some of the different strategies that are available to people yeah so a very different array and, and quite often a different mindset uh, as well um certainly who you're contacting um changes so we're working with extensively with commercial agents very different to real estate agents um uh, and estate agents so so that's a, a big difference for, for us and um, we're dealing with a, a lot larger numbers in the f field that we operate in 
to our acquisition value would be in between half a million and five million uh, purchase price. Uh, and then we'll be converting or redeveloping or added value in in many different areas. But I'll, I'll come back to those two words, added value. Um, doesn't matter what property strategy you're at. If it's an asset-based property strategy and you can add value, then, you know, that's the ultimate uh, underpinning foundations of, of commercial property. And one of the, the largest areas that we can do, um, apart from the Office of Planning, is, is long-term leases. And in fact, in a recent uh, development of five commercial um, properties, we repaired the leases. The leases were either non-existent. I'm talking about long-term full repair and insure leases. So we're restructuring leases and uh, contracting our commercial properties out to other parties who will take full responsibility for all the building and fabric for 5, 10, 15, even 18 years. So it becomes not, I wouldn't say hands off passive. I'm not particularly familiar uh, with those words. You know, you're still operating a, a business, but you can transfer risk and liability for long periods of time to um, parties with a, a great covenant strength. And, and that means great leverage. Um, and as anybody involved in property knows, you know, great debt and leverage is a, is a wonderful thing. Mm. And with that, with that, Mark, does come greater risk as well? And what are some of the threats or changes that someone might need to be thinking about within commercial? Yeah, uh, the risks are, are different. Whether they're greater or not, I think it depends on the, the context of, of your knowledge and, and your education. And I know you're very passionate about education and making sure you're on top and a, a black belt in any strategy. Um, and uh, we most certainly uh, very much focus on that continuous evolution um, of, of training. Some of the risks, um, clearly we're seeing a lot of volatility on the high streets at the moment. The economic climate and the, um, I'll put it uh, delicately, the uh, the political uncertainty as well. I'm not quite sure what our politicians are doing right now. Um, but that's all having an adverse effect on the economy. But there is very much a transition, not, not just at economic level, but also in the way we buy, the way we shop. I mean, uh, Mrs. Stokes has more brown boxes from Amazon being delivered to our house and you can shake a stick out. A, a great example where our retail high streets are often referred to as Amazon shop fronts where you'll you'll go and uh, have a look at something there, but then you'll get your phone out and, and buy it on the way home um, at a cheaper price on, uh, on on the web. So, But that gives us opportunity. It might be a transitionary opportunity from high street to uh, a good friend of mine does a uh, does some fantastic work in large distribution centres in the Midlands, um, and you know some of these uh, some of these buildings are absolutely enormous. In fact, somebody used to tell me, um, family member, when I was very young, that the only man-made object you could see from the moon was the Great Wall of China. I've no idea whether that was true or not, um, but I suspect some of the IKEA and Amazon warehouses that are being built now, um, you know, are certainly visible from uh, from space. Yeah. And and looking forwards, Mark, into the next five or even 10 years, where do you see the future of, of this sector? Um, I think you've got to be flexible. Um, we like small, small, nimble units. We do like the local economy rather than the macro economy, but you need high covenanted strength um, strong counterparties um, on, on all the contracts. We like a mix. Commercial property is great. 
like commercial properties to convert to residential. We do hold a few HMOs. So I think having balance and diversity in any of your portfolio investments and property is no different. Um, so holding commercial property in different areas, in different forms, in different structures, um, uh, and diversification across different sectors as well. You may be in the education sector, the local authority sector, uh, prime retail and distribution. So you become uh, insulated um, to cyclical and counter-cyclical movements in the market. Thanks for sharing, Mark. No problem at all. Okay, so three differing perspectives there on how to approach commercial, Kevin. What were your observations? Uh, we started with Dan first up there. Well, I think the observations across all three was the degree to which each person has really leveraged, which is a key part of the whole wealth building process, understanding where your leverage comes from. They've used their experience. You know, Dan with experience in business, Susie with experience is a surveyor, Mark with his corporate experience, you know, working with big projects and seeing things from both sides. It's given them all incredible insights. Not that you need that, but it's just a great way to already be further ahead, if you like, in the plan because they've already leveraged their existing experience. I think that's smart uh, rather than just learning things from scratch. But it's not a it's not a marketplace you can't get into because all three are really great teachers as well as uh, you know, great developers in their own right. Mm. And as we picked up last week in the um, service accommodation episode, that this is definitely a business. And Dan actually mentioned about how the pillars interact really well with one another, you know, the business pillar, the SaaS pillar, and commercial property working well. Exactly right. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed about what Dan has done is really tried to find properties where he can identify a tenant type, a certain tenant type, you know, like uh, national chains of coffee or national chains in pizza or national chains in pubs. And what he's found, and I'm sure he hinted at in a rather big story there, is you can get these big brands to pay for all the work in a property you own because they want it fitted out and kitted out exactly to the standards of the brand. So you can give them a shell, they'll do all the work for you. You know, So it's a reflection of being smart and identifying your tenant type. And you'll see throughout the whole discussion about property, it's all about understanding the space, understanding its location, understanding the tenant type, understanding how you can buy and add value. And this is the essence of wealth building, isn't it? Create, build, and protect. Isn't that kind of what Dan said? You know, you buy well, you add well, and you protect well. This is just a reflection of the wealth building process in action here. Mm. Now, something that came up across all three of our guests was the opportunities and certainly looking at the high street. And of course, the change in the retail market at the moment. Anything to add to that from your side, Kevin? Well, I think the essence of being an entrepreneur, as we've said this many times in the past, Chris, is to being sensitive to opportunities and being responsive to where they come, which is what Temple Energy is all about. And I think what we're seeing here is, you know, Susie was demonstrating that ably by talking about the market for retail, the market for offices. I think we've also talked, we've seen one of our contributors in a previous podcast, Chris, talking about finding his tenants where there are big warehouses and distribution centers, you know, and I think all of that is all relevant. 
You've got to look at what's happening in the market for uh, when we talked also about hotels and and uh, being able to use channel managers last week is about using technology. It's about seeing that the technology and the way people buy rooms has changed, is different. And so it is here. Mm. And I asked Susie, obviously, some of the advantages of, of working together with the SaaS. And um, obviously, Kevin, you work with many people who are leveraging their SaaS to allow them to purchase commercial property. What are, what are some of the benefits there? What, buying a property in a SaaS? I think there are, well, I mean, I could probably list dozens, but let's let's give a few anyway. For a start, you're being able to own a property and then any growth in that property, any rental in that property is free of corporation tax, free of capital gains tax, free of inheritance tax. So how about that for a kickoff? The second thing is you get leverage. So you, you can bring 50% leverage. You've got a £300,000 SAS, you can buy £400,000 worth of property. That's pretty good. You couldn't do that in a conventional pension. You're protecting the rental income um, and the property from any potential challenge to the business. You know, businesses sometimes get challenged. Our health gets challenged. Things, people get challenged and businesses get challenged. If you protected a piece of property inside the SAS because it can be legally owned in there, you protected it from any dangers and you protected it for the next generation and the generation after that, and the generation after that. So I think as property tends to be a long-term hold asset, if you can hold property in a SaaS and it's part of your strategy, then you know it's definitely one that you should uh, discover and, and try and work with. Remember also, though, it's a great facilitator. So I know Mark, for example, has done commercial to residential conversions, which the SaaS has facilitated the purchase but then when the property becomes residential, it leaves the SaaS and goes to their business. And similarly, many of our clients have got mixed-use properties or bought mixed-use properties where they say a shop with uppers are residential. They buy the shop you know, in the pension, and then they'll own the uppers in a business or personally. So you know, the, the whole value here is looking at what you can do that creates more space you can convert property, as I've said earlier on. You know, you can go up floors, uh, down floors. There's so many different ways and use permitted development so you don't even need to go through planning. So many different ways you can really create outstanding value, whether you use your SaaS or not, but definitely a SaaS is a good fit here. Mm. And, and Mark did pick up that point about added value, and that really applies to any strategy, doesn't it? Not just commercial, always looking to add value where possible. Well, that's the essence of building wealth, isn't it, right? So if you add that value, then you can capture some of that value. And if you can embed it, whether it's holding a property, which is a, a long-term return where it's de-risked significantly. I think Dan mentioned about sort of having protective moats. Well, you know, if you've got a a business that's paying rent for the long term or if you're running your own business and you're operating your own premises and you're paying rent to yourself rather than paying it to a landlord because you are both then that's a good thing too so i think the right education in this space reduces the risk because there's so many ways you can add value and so much less competition i think dan mentioned the numbers staggering isn't it 8.4 million in one day with one strategy. Hmm. I mean, 3 million investors, oh, you know. I see, uh, sure. 100,000 in, in commercial property. It's just a massive 
difference in the way there's people competing for for value. So I think definitely if you've got time to learn and, and you take the wheel of wealth seriously, you know, you get the right connections, you do the right due diligence, and you take some guidance as you take actions to make sure you don't make any big mistakes, then this would be a strategy I would encourage anybody to take a long, serious look at. Mm. And one final point that was mentioned there by Susie was about the importance of having the right team. And she mentioned having a, a really good commercial broker and a lawyer. Um, does the team differ in the commercial property world than it does in the residential world, Kevin? Well, I think the more you see property as a business, the more the team needs to change. You know, it's a stronger team. It's like the difference between, you know, playing football at non-league and playing in the Premier League. And you will find people like, you know, I was talking to Mark recently, and they're not shy of spending thousands of pounds to get the right legal advice because it's an investment to keep them safe. You know, they'd spend money on surveys because they don't regard it as a cost, they regard it as an investment. And having a good team, and obviously it helps if you've got, like Mark has got a great team, he's got himself, he's got Nigel, he's got a big supporting cast of, of people who are helping in that process within the Equa Group, and uh, each one of them is bringing something slightly different to contribute to the overall value. So you see the further you go in this space, the more you need a very strong team behind you, whether it's a, um, a team that you engage from time to time or whether it's a team that you have on board, including, you know, the bigger you get, the more you're looking for investors and the more you need to deal with investors in a very well-constructed and uh, detailed way to make sure that you're not just protecting yourself, but you're protecting money from investors. And I know all of those uh, people who have spoken to today, you know, take that very seriously indeed. Mm. So we've looked at obviously the advantages of commercial property, Kevin. Are there any disadvantages? Are there any things that people should be paying particular attention to if they're thinking about moving into commercial property? Well, look, any asset has got its own sets of pros and cons. This isn't for everybody. Of course it isn't. The numbers tend to be bigger. I think Mark touched on that. You know, sometimes in the millions, if you've got planning, you need to understand the planning rules. If you've got heritage-type property-listed buildings, you've got to understand these things. The mistakes you can make can be crippling. So you definitely want to invest more time in education here. This is not something you can do by reading a book or going on a free three-day course. This is something you need to take very seriously. But those who do can make massive gains, both in terms of capital and in terms of cash flow. And the combination of being able to get that double compounding effect, if you like, flows of cash, lumpy cash, and flows of cash flow, regular cash flow, can make a big difference to your wealth. And I think you know that's why I think it's an impressive strategy to be taking a look at the more you're willing to consider it like a business. Mm. And we have lots and lots of Wealth Builders members, obviously within the Facebook community who are uh, exercising these strategies. So if anyone's listening, Kevin, and they want to learn more, I would suggest post some questions in the Facebook group. That'd be a good place to begin. And, and we'll both be in there and able to answer and respond to those. Yeah, I think there's, there's always room to do that because we want to not just build up a whole series of FAQs on all of the different strategies, actually. So whatever you've got a question, recognize that we're here to be in a supporting cast role to help you learn and find your way to turn that wheel of education, support, connection, due diligence, and action. And I hope everyone 
who's a regular listener has now committed that to their memory and turn that wheel of wealth. Do not cheat the wheel and enjoy that process because every time you turn it, you get bigger, you get stronger, and your capacity to do bigger and better things and build your wealth in a more accelerated way just takes over. And I think our three contributors today are evidence of that. So we've covered several strategies over the last few weeks, Kevin. Where do we uh, where do we turn our focus in our future episode? Would you say? Well, I think probably because a lot of the overlay in the property strategies to date have really talked about tax efficiency here and tax efficiency there. Um, maybe we should have just a one off. Find ourselves a, a pretty good property based accountant to give us some of the real things to avoid and things to do hints and tips on being a bit more tax efficient and tax effective as we build our property strategies how about that that sounds like a good good one to me okay thanks kevin enjoy talking to you again today and um i'll see you on the next episode of wealth talk look forward to it see ya we hope you enjoyed today's episode Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.